Hey, I want to welcome you to FBCO today. We're glad you're worshiping with us. If you want to find out more about our church, just text us, text to connect, or you can text to give, or you can text. If you want to talk to someone more about a spiritual matter, maybe you'd like to trust Christ as Savior, or you'd like to know what that means and what that looks like, we'll be happy to follow up with you. And you can go to our website and see information. And we also have small groups that meet. A lot of the classes are meeting through Zoom. We call them life groups. And if you'd like to get connected to one of those for this week or for next week, we'd be happy to help you with that as well. Well, open your Bibles, please, to the book of James chapter 4. We're going to read beginning with verse 1, and we're going to work our way through the rest of this great book of the Bible each week of these, each of these next weeks. So let's read James chapter 4. If you've got a Bible there with you, it'll be convenient for you, and I'll ask you to write down a couple of things as well. So let's read James chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible says, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely, but he gives greater greater, uh, grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Well, I want to talk with you on the subject of God gives, and God is a giving God. God gives salvation. God gives forgiveness. God gives love and grace and mercy. God gives us his only son, the means by which we can find salvation. God's a giving God. One of the reasons I want to be a giver, not just financially, certainly financially, but also in other ways, is because God is a giving God and he wants me to reflect his character. And so I want to talk with you about three ways that God gives to us from this text. And it's to our great advantage to understand it. So if you take some notes as we go, write these three principles down and let's Note what the text is teaching us here, what God's word is saying to us. Number one, would you know, God gives better gifts. God gives better gifts. What God wants for you is better than what you might think you want for yourself. What God wants for you is better than what you want without God. What you may think you really want, well, God wants something better. And I want you to see that God's way is better than your way. God's way is better than the culture's way. And God's way is even better than the easy way. And so God gives better gifts. He's got gifts for you. Some of you have thought, I know God wants me to live a certain way or to do certain things, but it, he just wants me to be miserable. No, nothing could be further from the truth. God wants what's best and right for you. We say it like this, what God wants for you is better than what you want. God's way is better than your way, than culture's way, than the easy way. So how can we miss God's best? Well, this text tells us some ways we could miss God's best for our lives, God's better gifts. Let me just note three ways we can miss God's best. Number one, we want the wrong things. We want the wrong things. Verse one says, what's the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? 
Some of you know this battle within you, this fight that goes on, the wars, the, the fights, the strife. You're, you're, you're fighting with yourself. You're fighting with others. Well, how does that happen? The passions within us, the Bible say, says, wage war within us. We desire and do not have. The Bible says you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. So there is in our world and there is in our own lives these battles that take place. We have what the Bible calls passions and desires that are battling in our lives. Some of you know this well. In fact, it doesn't end when you give your life to Christ. Paul, even after he gave his life to Christ, knew something of the battle. Now, he knew that beforehand. Before he ever came to Christ, he was at battle with the things of God. Really, he found himself fighting against God without really seeing it or realizing it. But even after he came to know Christ as Savior, he talked about this battle. He wanted to do the right thing, and he still did the wrong thing. He didn't want to do the wrong thing, and yet he found himself doing the wrong thing. And he talked about that in Romans chapter 7, this battle within him, the old nature and the new nature. And some of you know that in your own life, this battle that's taking place. You want to do the right things. You say maybe to God, God, I want to go your way and I want to do what you want me to do. But there's still the battle. You find yourself going back to the old patterns. By the way, what you feed is what tends to grow. And so if you feed the old ways, the old nature, you tend to go back to the old paths. And if you'll feed God's way, you'll, you'll read God's word, spend time with God. You tend to grow in your walk with him and you tend to grow more like him in character. But one of the ways to miss God's will is to want the wrong things. Another way is when we don't ask God. The Bible says this in verse two, you do not have, well, why? Why do you not have? Because you do not ask. You don't have, he's saying, because you don't ask. Why do I not have God's better gifts? Why am I not, why am I not experiencing God's best for my life? One reason is because we don't ask God. And God in heaven wants us to ask. God wants you to pray. And so he says one of the reasons, one of the ways we miss his will is to not ask and to not pray. I want you to note that prayer matters. Prayer matters. Prayer is talking to God. Don't overcomplicate this. God in heaven talks to us through his word and through his spirit. And he wants us to talk to him in prayer. God wants us to spend time with him and communicate with him. And prayer matters. God is waiting to act on the basis of our asking, of our asking, of our prayer. And so God wants you to ask and God wants you to pray. And sometimes we just miss God's best for our lives because we never say, God, I want your best for my life. Maybe you'd say that today, God, I want your best. Could you, would you give me your best? Would you help me to have the life that you want me to have your best for me? And number th and a third reason we miss God's best is because we have the wrong motives. We ask, the Bible says in verse three, you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. And, and the Bible is talking here about our motives and how much they matter and how we're to ask, not for ourselves. Prayer is not about what I can get for me, but God is, I'm praying that I will see God's best and God's will, God's purpose and God's plan. And I want you to note that God cares about our actions and the reason for our actions. God cares about our actions and the reasons behind those actions. And God wants 
what's best for you, his will, what God wants for you is better than what you want. God's way is better than your way. God's way is better than culture's way. God's way is better than the easy way. And God gives better gifts. So once in a while, I'll watch football. I like to watch the game. I, I enjoy it a lot. I watch, when I'm watching football, I find myself often watching the defensive backs. Back in the old days when I played in high school and in college, I was a defensive back. Now, I can't talk about playing anymore without pulling a hamstring, I'll just tell you. But I love to watch the defensive backs. And uh, one of the greatest defensive backs that I saw, one of the guys who could cover at least as well as anyone I saw playing man-to-man -man and covering a wide receiver, was a man named Deion Sanders. He's still kind of famous in our culture today. He still reports on um, football and other things in life. And before he became a believer, uh, he, he, he had, th this experience happened to him. I've heard him tell this story a few times. So he was very successful, had a tremendously successful high school, college career, and then on to the pros. And he even, early in his career, won a Super Bowl. He won more than one. A Super Bowl champion. And when he won that first Super Bowl, I mean, that's everything he'd worked for. All of his efforts, all of his workouts, all of his preparation, all of his practice headed towards this goal. And when they won, he found himself sitting in the locker room empty. Empty. Now, if that would bring fulfillment. I mean, he should have been the most fulfilled man in the world. He was, not only was he a great player, his team had won the highest achievement in professional football. And yet there was an emptiness because God has better gifts. Can I just tell you, God has better gifts than whatever you're saying. If I could have that, I'd be happy. Or what, if I could just achieve that, man, that'd give me fulfillment. But if it's not God's best, there's still an emptiness there. Something is missing because God gives better gifts. Whatever you're searching for, whatever you're reaching for and grabbing for, God gives better gifts. He wants what's best for you, better than what you want. God's way is better than your way, better than the culture's way, better than the easy way. Now, there's a second principle I want you to note about what God gives. I've said God gives better gifts. Secondly, would you write down these words? God gives deeper connections. God gives deeper connections. In our church, we, we have noted if, if there's anything that's obvious during this time of isolation, it is that fellowship matters. God made us for fellowship. He made us for fellowship. He made us for fellowship with him. He made us for fellowship with others. And we're reminded of how much that matters in these days. We're going to emphasize, we're emphasizing life groups, our small group structure. We're, we're grateful one day we'll gather again together. And we love the large gathering of worship in our church. But we recognize the value of our small groups, of those Bible study groups and how important they are and how, how much fellowship matters. I've been able to pop on uh, the Zoom meetings some of our life groups, a lot of our life groups are meeting uh, through Zoom and have been able to pop on some and just to see some of the uh, folks that I don't get to see otherwise through those Zoom meetings. I mean, it's not the same, let's face it. It's not face-to-face -face interaction, but I'm just so grateful for that fellowship. And I think most of us are really recognize, even if you're an introvert and even if you're, maybe that's not the most uh, obvious thing in your life, moments like this remind us that fellowship matters and that God made us for connections, and that we need each other. And God gives deeper connections. Whatever connections the world might offer, God has something better. So let's note a couple of things from the text. 
Note, first of all, we can make the wrong connections. Now, sometimes our connections are something much different than what God wants. Notice what the Bible says here in verse 4. These are strong words. You adulterous people. He's talking to believers, and he's saying you're adulterous. Now, my connection with my wife is an important one. We've been married a long time. I mean, this is a deep connection. And we expect faithfulness from each other, right? We expect that from each other because we know our connection is special and important. And, and we're so thankful that we have that connection. And he's saying, you have a connection, he's saying to Christians, with God. And yet you're adulterous because instead of having the deeper connection with God, he says this in verse 4. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? You're, instead of loving the things of God and loving the Lord himself, you're saying, I want to be friends with the things of this fallen, broken world. He says, whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Our world is broken. I'm telling you, it's broken. Everything about it, it's been affected by sin Sin has infected our world, and so it's a broken world. Sinful people do sinful things. Nature itself has been broken. Our world is broken. And, and the Lord is saying here, God's word is teaching us that God made us for something more. He wants deeper connections, but we can have the wrong connection. And we can find ourselves focused on the temporary things of this world that won't last, on the broken things of this world instead of God's eternal and God's better connections he has for you. We can make the wrong connections, but note as well, God wants a deep connection with you. God wants a deep connection with you. Now here's where, we're, uh, where we often mistake it. We think, well, God just wants me to be a little religious. Listen, religion in and of itself isn't a, isn't a bad thing, but it's a terrible replacement for the relationship God wants with you. So for many people, instead of the deep connection with God that he wants, they just replace it with a little bit of religion. It almost becomes kind of an antidote that we hardly think about the things of God. We do our religious duties, responsibilities, and go on our way. Now religion, rightly understood, is a response to faith. But wrongly understood, it's a replacement for faith. God wants you. Not just a, a little bit of your Sunday morning. Not just a, a few of the external activities. God wants you. He made you, created you for fellowship with him. He saved you, if you have come to know him as Savior, for fellowship with him. And he wants a deep connection with you. Verse 5 says this, or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says the spirit ha uh, he made to dwell in us envies intensely? This is saying that God the Holy Spirit who lives in us longs for us. He wants us. He made us for himself. God in heaven wants a relationship with us. He made us for a deep connection. It's one of the reasons during this time and really far beyond it, I hope you'll spend time every day in God's word. What does God have to say to me? Read his word for yourself. If you've not yet read through the New Testament, we're encouraging everyone to do that, to read through the New Testament for themselves. And over time to begin to really learn and know what God has to say. And to spend time in prayer with God, talking to God. The Bible says we can make our requests known to God. And we can spend time talking to him. And he loves that. We can praise him and thank him and 
ask him for the needs we have and pray for others. All of this is a part of what God wants for us. We confess our sins to God. We ask him to give us direction. We pray for his better purpose and plan for our lives. And God made us and saved us for a deep connection, not just a few moments on a Sunday morning, but he wants you. And I want to remind you that God will give you the deep connection that you're longing for. Maybe you've realized how much we need other people during these days. And God in heaven made us for connections. And that connection with him will be the impetus for a deeper connection with others. My relationship with my wife is affected, deepened by my relationship with God. And as my relationship with God is right, it helps me to, have a, to be a better husband and a better father and a better, and a better grandfather and a better friend. God made us, gives us deeper connections. There's a third principle. I'd like you to note this. God gives greater love. We've said God gives better gifts and deeper connections. God gives greater love. One of the great things God gives is his love. Let's go to verse 6. The Bible says, but God gives greater grace, greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, if you're taking notes there, will you write down these two words? First, write down the word grace. It's a beautiful word. It's speaking of the love that God gives. And I'm telling you, God gives a greater love. It's not just the, the love that we know in this world. I'll love you if, you know, you act certain ways. I'll love you when, when my feelings are such or my emotions are such. God just loves us and he puts a period there. We might say grace is this. God loves me, though I don't deserve it. He loves me, though I don't deserve it. He gives me his love, not because I deserve it. In fact, I, I could not deserve God's love but he loves me out of his great love. And he offers his grace. I came to know Christ as my savior when I was young. And I, I mean, I, I'm thankful that I found forgiveness of sins and a relationship with God then. But over time, I came to understand more of who God is and I've learned more of God's purpose and plan. And I've understood more deeply the grace of God. And I tell you, the more I come to understand how much God loves me, the more I appreciate it the deeper that love is, the more there is to understand. And God loves so deeply. I want you to note this, God loves you. He knows you at your worst and loves you. He cares about you. He wants something better for you. And he gives a greater love. The world does not understand this kind of love. God offers grace. There's a second word I want you to write down. Write down the word humility, humility. Humility, um, the, the Bible says here, God resists the proud. If you, don't, if you say, I don't need you, God, pride says, I don't need God. I don't need God. I mean, if I get in some terrible, some terrible problem, maybe I'll call on God. But just normally speaking, I don't need God. God resists that. He stands against it. But God gives grace, the Bible says. He gives grace to the humble. He, it, humility says this, I need God and can't rely on myself. When we say to God, this truth, I need you, God. Can I tell you, you need God? You can't depend upon yourself. You can't depend upon your goodness. You can't depend upon your abilities, your wealth, your religion. You need God. And when you come to God like that, God, I don't have anything to offer you. 
I come as a broken sinner from a broken world. God gives grace. He loves. He loves and pours that out on us. And God gives greater love. And you can know that love. And you can build on that love. So let's apply this with two steps to take. I'm calling these steps to take. Step number one, be willing to receive God's gifts. Be willing to receive God's gifts. God offers gifts and he asks us to receive them. Salvation is a gift God gives. We repent of our sins to be saved. We place our trust, our faith, our belief in Jesus who died for us and rose from the grave to be saved. And we receive him as Savior and Lord. I want to ask you to receive him as Savior and Lord today. And if you'll give your life to Christ, if you'll repent of your sins and place your trust in Christ and receive him as Savior, not depending upon your goodness or even your religion, but trusting Christ and Christ alone to save you. If you'll do that, text us and we'll encourage you in the faith and, and uh, help you to grow in your faith. We receive the gift of love. We receive God's gift of forgiveness. We, we can believe that God really does forgive us and he loves us even though we've gone our own way. We can receive God's gift of abundant life. God wants us to have that kind of abundant life, a life worth living, a life of purpose, a life that makes an impact and a difference. God made you for that. One day we'll have everlasting life, eternal life with him in heaven. But God made us for abundant life in this world and God wants you to have that kind of life. I want to ask you to be willing to receive God's gifts. Would you say, God, I want what you want from me. I want your better gifts. I want your deeper connections and I want your greater love. And then there's a second application. I want to ask you to give like God gives. God is a giving God. Our giving comes out of that. My giving, I've always given to the church financially. I've done that all of my life. I've always tithed. I did it for a long time out of just obligation and responsibility. But at some point I came to realize the Lord loves me so much. He's given so much to me and my giving came out of that. God has given to me. I want to give as he's given. And it goes far beyond, far beyond our finances. God wants us to give. He wants us to be givers rather than takers. So, many of, so much of our world is just about taking. God wants us to be givers. Perhaps God would use you to give to others, to make a, an impact. Maybe you'd minister and serve. Maybe you'd care and love. Maybe you'd begin to think about others and not just yourself, to serve others instead of just being served. And we, begin, we do these things because we give because the Lord gives. And we want to be like him in character and like him in our actions and like him in our motives. And so give like God gives. So let's pray together. Let's bow together right where you are in your home or wherever you might be right now. Would you just bow your head? And would you just pray a prayer like this? God, I, I want to learn to give like you give. And Lord, I want to be willing to receive your gifts. Maybe you'd say right where you, where you are today, God, I want your better gifts. What you want for me is better than what I want for me. Your way is better than my way or the culture's way or the easy way. God, I want your deeper connections. I want a connection with you. And out of that, I want a connection with others, a deeper connection that comes from faith. And God, I want greater love. You tell me about grace. And so I want to humble myself and recognize my need and I want to receive your love. I want to recognize how deeply you love me. And I want to love like that. Father, we thank you for the power of your word, for the truth it gives us, for the guidance it provides, 
Use these words in our lives to draw us to you and to make us more like Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.